The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Amen. I have a feeling if that song was singing in some of our brothers and sisters' churches that we wouldn't be seated, maybe standing and maybe swaying a little, but I know we can't do that because we're... We gotta be long faced anyway in case somebody drives by and sees us. <laughs> Go for it. <clears throat> if you would turn to Matthew this morning, I like that song. I like all of our songs and <clears throat> I love the music <clears throat> that we do each Sunday. We're still talking about the commandments of Christ. And I still say, as a really, I said this, I think both weeks we've been on this, sometimes it's a little bit tough when we hear about the commandments of Christ, when we hear about our responsibilities as a church. And uh, to be real honest, as a preacher, a lot of times it's easy just to kind of skip over that and talk about, uh, you know, the good things, the blessings, and all of those things, and that's all part of God's Word. But we have to preach the full counsel of God's Word and uh, Christ uh, put ordained the church. He created the church. He died for the church. And uh, again, I'll remind us, myself included, that we are the church. It's not the building. It's not the place we're in. But we are the church. And as we began to look at this, we uh, talked about the, uh, the things that Christ taught and these teachings of Christ. We have a couple more weeks that we're going to be on this subject also. And we talked first about... Uh, ask, seek, and knock. And Christ told us to ask, to seek, and to knock. And uh, in our prayer lives, and last week we looked at the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28, 20. And Jesus stated, and teach them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And uh, he says there at that whole Great Commission, and this is just a reminder in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, I would encourage you to go and do that because this is a charge to the church. To go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and uh, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even until the end of the age. And I love that last part. Christ is always with us as a church. He's always there. And really, we talked about the central core, the purpose of the church, are outlined in those verses, and they really are evangelize, incorporate, and disciple. And that's what we talked about, that uh, spreading the gospel and then bringing folks in, incorporating them into Christ's church and then discipling them. So Jesus says, first go therefore and make disciples. We're to go and reach them. We're to go and tell others. The second thing, we're to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that word... Baptize really means incorporate, to bring them in, these new believers, to the body of Christ. And then the final part is teaching them to observe all things which I have commanded you. And uh, we talked last week, what are we exactly to teach? And we looked in Matthew chapter 4, and uh, this is what the, the first commandment was, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So that was what we start with. So this morning, as we're over in Matthew, again, chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 18 this morning. And here's the word that we're going to start with. Follow me, this is Christ talking, and I'll make you fishers of men. 
Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. In Matthew 4, we'll read 18 through 20. So this is the, the second commandment of Christ. And Jesus, he's walking by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers there casting their nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, if you write in your Bibles again, and I encourage you to do so, or if you highlight on your phone or your iPad, whatever you use, I would encourage you to highlight this verse that says, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's the commandment of Christ, that we might follow Him. And actually, that Greek word's an adverb, and it, it's an expressing a command. It's simply this. Christ said to them, this is what they would hear, your place is to follow after me. So as Christ talked about His disciples, or talked to His disciples, He said, our place is to follow after Christ. And for us as a church today, we could say, Christ has given us a commission, and that great commission is to go evangelize, to incorporate the disciple, and to follow Him, follow after where Christ went. Now, you may have heard some of these saying, Joseph Stowell, he's a pastor of Moody Church. He said the problem of our modern churches is this, we've become quite happy to call ourselves Christians with little or no thought of following Christ. And I think that's really true. Y'all, some of y'all have heard of Paul Harvey, and you've probably heard this statement Paul Harvey made. He said, as a church, we've drifted away from being fishers of men and became keepers of the aquarium. And I think that's really true of their churches today. We've, we've kind of drifted away from being fishers of men, and we've just uh, been happy with the status quo. Let's just keep the aquarium. Let's just let's keep things going here, and we fail to follow. So as Christ looks at the church and He gives us a commandment to follow Him and make us fishers of men, I want us to look at this morning, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And, and the first thing is this, where Christ says, follow me, he's not talking about an invitation to be saved. Because remember who he's talking to, he, 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 this is a call of believers. This is a call of disciples to follow him. And it's no small decision to follow Christ. So when we look at that and Christ says, follow me, we need to really think about what he's talking to us and who he's talking to. And he's talking to us as a church about following him and and being a part of what he's doing in our society today. To follow Christ is to to set aside our own goals, our own pleasures, and, and embrace the purpose that God created us for. Now, listen to that. God has created us with a purpose, right? I mean, He made us with a reason. He made us with a purpose. And uh, we have a lot of folks here that work with their hands, and, and you have tools, and you have different equipment, and it's made for a purpose. Now, it may work for some other things. Have you ever taken a, a, uh, a receiver hitch off the back of a truck and used it to hammer something in? Well, I have. You know, if that's all you can find. And, uh, and it, it may work for that, but what does it work best for? It works best to pull a trailer. What does a hammer work best for? It works best to hammer in a nail. And so when we use something that's, that's created with a purpose and we use it for that purpose, we're going to get the best results. And that's simply what Christ wants us to understand. He's created us with a purpose 
And we're going to be the best we can be when we're following God's purpose for us. Now, I just made a statement that said this, we need to put aside our own desires and those things to be a disciple to follow Christ. I think when we say that, sometimes we as Christians think, well, you know, I, don't, I can't do that. Or, or we may even think this, I really don't want to do that. But remember, Christ has, co- has given us a purpose. Now, He's given us jobs. He's given us ability to work, to provide. He's placed us in businesses, and He's placed us in farms, and He's placed us in schools, and, and He's placed us in those places that, that we might be His church in those places. So we can still understand that, hey, I'm laying aside these things because I want to be a follower of Christ and I want, I want His purpose to be revealed in me. So wherever God has planted you, He has a purpose for you there. His first purpose is this, that we know Him in a personal way as our personal Savior. If we've done that, He says we're to make disciples of others, we're to teach them Christ's commands. And those who truly want to follow Christ, they, they change their goals, their affections, their, their priorities to follow Christ. So, so that's the first thing. When he called Peter and Andrew, they were, they were successful fishermen. And as he went and called them, they, they forsake what they were doing and they followed him. He said, follow me and I will make you fisher of men's souls. So Jesus didn't simply command his disciples to be fishers of men. I want you to catch this part. He says what? I'm going to make you fishers of men. I think that's important for us because sometimes we think, well, I can't do those things and and Christ says, follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. We need to realize this. Christ is going to make us into what he wants us to be. Remember, he has a purpose for it. And he just simply needs us to say, what? I'm willing, I, I, I'm, a, I'm willing to allow you to make me into what you want me to be. For us, there's going to be a lot of different ways that we reach different people. And Christ is going to use that, and He's going to mold us how He wants us to be. So the first thing, He says, Peter and Andrew, follow me, and I'm going to, I'm going to make you, I'm going to fashion you into a, a, preacher, a, a fisher of men. So how does fishing for men relate to following Christ? How does, how does fishing for men relate to following Christ? And, and I, I read this statement, give a man a fish, and he'll eat for a day. Teach him how to fish. And he'll sit in his boat and drink beer all day. <laughs> you know, that's kind of a, that's the, that's the image of the fisherman we have today, you know. But, but really more than that, what is our image of a fisherman today? Our image of the fisherman today is somebody that goes out in a boat or goes on the bank of a shore and they cast out their lure out into the water and they fish or they put a trot line out and they fish or, or whatever they do. That's kind of the image we have of a fisherman today. However, that wasn't the case in Jesus' day. The case in Jesus' day was they fished at night. Y'all remember, we're going to talk a little bit about this, when Jesus went up to the, uh, to the disciples and said, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And then it says they did that, and they had a huge haul. And, and it, then it says they went and cooked breakfast. See, they had fished all night. During this time, that's what fishermen did. They fished all night because the best fishing took place at night. So, so that, that verse there in Luke 5, 5 says, Master, we've toiled all night long. And we've caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, we'll cast down a net. So why did they fish at night? Here's the reason. Because they used a powerful method to fish at night. And that was light. They used light to fish at night. And, and it drew in 
fish. When Denise and I were dating, you know what one of our dates was? We went regularly fishing. Fishing. We had a, her daddy had a flat bottom aluminum boat that was about that wide and about 12 foot long, and it had a coffee can. Who knows what the coffee can was for? Dip water. You dip water the whole time you fish because that thing leaked like a sieve. We actually would go out there, we'd get his boat. It didn't have a motor on it. We actually went fishing, okay? We wouldn't go and parking. That came afterwards anyway. But we'd get in the boat, and we'd get a battery, and Daddy had a little trolling motor, about the top of about that big, and we'd troll out to the... But Lake Levon, we'd troll out a couple hundred yards off the bank, and we had these floating lights. We'd drop those lights in the water, and we'd hook up to the battery, and we'd start fishing at night. Have y'all ever done that? If you've ever done that, you know, in just a few minutes, you can look down in the water, and, and around that light, there'll be, there'll be bait fish this, this big around, just swimming in a big circle around that light. That, that light just draws them in. We got to fishing one night, and uh, she's in the nursery, or she could verify this story. We caught so many crappie. I mean, I bought a dozen minnows or two. We run out of minnows, and the crappie would hit them minnows, and they'd break them in two, and we started getting pieces of minnow off the bank and rebaiting our hook just so we could catch. We were just slaughtering them, and the reason being is, is that light. Man, that light, it drew in those bait fish, and those bait fish, they, they drew in those bigger fish, and, and we fished, and we fished, and we fished. Now, think about this. How does this relate to following Christ? That, that light, that, that, that light that attracts those fish. So, so we compare fishing to, to reaching people for Christ. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, 12. He says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he'll have the light of life. So as the disciples, as Jesus is talking to disciples, he's, he's talking about that light that draws men into himself. So as he talks about being fishers of men, see how they would begin to understand this? He says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. If you'll simply be available, I'm going to be the light that attracts men. I just simply need you to be my, my tool. I need you to be my fisherman. I need you to be willing and available. And, 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 and you draw, I'll draw men into myself. If you'll simply be there, I'm the light of the world. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure. What treasure? Paul's talking about, he's talking about the light that we have. It's God that causes this light to shine out. It shows in our hearts, it's the knowledge of the glory of God, of Jesus Christ. And we have this treasure, an earthen vessel. What's an earthen vessel? We are. You, y'all, do y'all, any of y'all have earthen vessels sitting on your, uh, out on your patio? It's dirt. It's clay made into a pot. That's an earthen vessel. And, and the Bible teaches that that's who we are. We're just an earthen vessel. We're made out of dirt and, and God has brought us together. And when we die, we're going to return to that. He says, we have a treasure in earthen vessel. And that the excellent power of God may be of God 
and not of us. Boy, I'd say go over to 2 Corinthians and highlight that in your Bible. We have the, the, light of, the light of God shining through us about Christ Jesus. And it's the excellent power of God. It's not our power. It's not us. That's what Paul is saying. It's, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power and through that drawing light that we can become fishers of men. When we start thinking about, I, I don't know if I have that ability and I can't speak in front of people and I'm uncomfortable doing this. I'm not talking about going out and knocking on doors. I'm talking about a lifestyle of evangelism where we live what we say but we believe. Christ says this, your light's going to shine, my light's going to shine through you, and through that, I'm going to, I'm going to start drawing men into your, to myself. We're not to be the light. We're simply to reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Here's the fourth thing. What does it require to follow Jesus? Now, here's the thing I think we get hung up on sometimes. It requires different things from different folks. When we read this passage here, Peter and Andrew, it said they left their nets. It suggests here that they, they left their present occupation and they, they, they followed after Christ. If you go to verse 22, it says James and John, they left their, their family. They left their father. They, they, they immediately, they followed Christ. So it took precedence over everything else. Their, their close family, they followed. So the, the requirements for following Christ is not the same for everyone. For, for this reason, they, those occupants, they left it all to follow Christ. But the thing that I want us to remember is this. I believe Christ plants us where we need to be. Do y'all believe that? I mean, I don't believe it's by chance that we end up somewhere. I was thinking about how I ended up in Cooper, you know. I, I wanted to go to Bonham for some reason. But uh, I was in the Metroplex working there. The job came open in Bonham with a, with a, back then it was T.U. Electric or Texparent Light or something. I went and interviewed for it. I knew the hiring supervisor and I knew his supervisor. And when I left, that, that supervisor said, hey, you're our last interview and you did a great job. I, I think we're probably going to hire you. He said, don't ever do that if you're a supervisor, if you don't know for sure. Man, I left going home. I thought, I have got out of the Metroplex. I'm moving to Bonham. Boy, this is going to be great. I rode around town looking at places and, and looked out into country. I thought, this is where I'm going to be. Well, what happened? I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. I didn't hear anything. Finally, I got a call. Well, we didn't go your direction. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. I, I said, what happened? They said, well, so-and-so, so-and-so's family, so-and-so got a call, and this guy's out of a job. He needs a job. We're going to give him the job. Boy, I was just, I was angry. I didn't understand. But you know what? Y'all may not be, but I'm so glad that I didn't end up in bottom. I mean, God had another plan. And, and what God's plan was was perfect. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't see it at the time, but, but I realized, hey, Christ says, I want you to follow me, and, and even though you want to go this direction, I have something even better for you. And I think we need to understand that following Christ is it's different for, for different folks, but, but following Christ is always going to be right, and it's always going to be perfect in His way. John Hamby, he, he made this statement. Now, you have to listen carefully to what he says. He says, the worst thing in life may not be that we fail, but the greatest failure occurs when we succeed in an area that's outside of God's will for our lives. Now think about that a minute. 
The worst thing in life may not be that we fail. The greatest failures may occur when we succeed in areas that are not God's will for our lives and are not truly clear teaching of Scripture, success that will keep us from pursuing God's real plan for our lives. The worst thing in life is not failing, but succeeding in worldly pursuit, having left Christ out of our lives. It took me a while to really let that sink in, but you know, that is so true. Sometimes our our, our worst failures when we say, all right, I'm going out on my own. And this may not be where Christ had me, but, but I'm succeeding. And, and so many folks for that, they end up spending a life chasing their, their, their career and they end their lives chasing all their dreams and all those things. And, and in the end, it all comes up empty because it, it all ends up a failure because they, they didn't consider what Christ would have for their life. And they, they've just lived through life pursuing something outside of God's will. Remember this, God created us for a purpose. And we're the best when we're where God created us. And we're the best when we're in the center of His purpose. Here's the th- last thing. What's, the, what's the, sim- the single most important thing we can do as Christians? I want you to think about this. The, the most important thing we do as Christians is we want to know if people are saved, isn't it? That usually comes to, comes to head when we realize someone's, someone is, is seriously ill or someone is, uh, has, has some kind of serious problem. What do we always do? We say, boy, we, we need to find out if that person's a Christian. I, I, we had a speaker at work, and uh, he's a, I, I may have told you all about this. If not, I told our Wednesday night group. He, he was a farmer, and uh, he raises elk in Utah, and he was uh, uh, feeding some hay, square alfalfa bales of hay. He said they weighed about 2,000 pounds apiece right under that. He had a, a John Deere tractor with an open top on it, and he has two kids, and he, he went out there to, to feed, and he said his wife had called and said, hey, this kid, whatever his name was, he took his first steps today, hurry home. He said he ran over there, and uh, the, he, was, he was speaking at a safety conference, but, but he went over there, he said he, he started to get his hay, and his light come on his tractor and said, you're out of hydraulic fluid. And he said, I, I thought, well, I, got, I can do it. I can do it. And, and he, he started messing with the handle, and he said it, would, it wasn't lifted. And he was, said, I was pulling on it and messing with it. And he said, I just forgot about the bell of hay. And, of course, he raised it up, and it fell on him. And, and, and it, it, it broke every bone in his neck. And he's in a wheelchair now, and he's, I, you'd have to hear his whole story. He, he says he's not paralyzed, but... but he simply, his, his hands are drawn. He can kind of roll himself around in a wheelchair. Everything pretty much from that point on uh, is, 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 is nothing. I mean, he, he really doesn't have any, any feeling. He doesn't have, any, uh, he doesn't have anything else. And, and his ideal was this about his whole speech. Why wait? He talked about his, his father coming and said, I got good news and bad news. He said, my father real, uh, said, real wise, and he said, the, the good news is this, you're alive. He said, the other thing is the good news is this, they put some titanium in your neck, and you'll, the doctor said, you'll never break your neck again. <laughs> he said, that's good news, I guess, you know. But he said, the, the, the bad news is this, you know. He said, you're, you're not ever going to get out of this wheelchair again either. And, and uh, his whole thing was, why do we wait the things that really matter, why do we wait till something tragic happens? 
He said, my dad said, you, you need to be a better father. You need to be a better husband. You need to do something for the community. He, he lists six things that his dad charged him with. And he talked about all the struggles and the, the, the anger he had and all those different things. But, but he worked through all the things. And his message is, why wait till the very end, till things have begun to fall apart to, to start making things right? And, and as I was thinking about that in, in, the, in the view of this, what's the most important thing that we can do? Why wait till the, that person's on the deathbed? Or, or why wait till that person's fixed to move off? Or why wait till that relationship's broken to say, you know what, we need to get these things right? Remember, church, we are Christ's body. We're, we're set apart to, to do His work and to do His will. We're set apart to provide His gospel. So I want you to think about this morning with Christ's commandments. If we was here and, and Jesus Christ stood before you and said, I have something I want to ask you to do. I, I, I venture to guess every one of us say, you say it and we'll do it. I, okay, I'm on board. You know, you're Christ. You're standing here. Whatever you say. He told us as a church, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. And if you'll do that, I'll make you a fisher of men. Let's bow together this morning. And I want you to just think about why put something off. And I'm not just talking about presenting the gospel. I'm really with our thoughts, you know, our relationship with our spouses, with our children, our, our jobs. Just why put something off to the very end? Why wait? You know, we spend our life waiting on this to happen. Well, when, when my kids graduate, I'll do this. When I get married, I'll do this. Well, when I have children, I'll do this. Well, when I, when I retire, I'll be able to do this. Why wait when we can live today with the purpose God has given us? Satan tells us this, you're going to be unhappy, boring. It's not going to happen for you because I have the way. But you know what Christ says? He says, oh, that's a lie. The wisest man in Scripture, Solomon, said, you know, I tried it all. And it all left me empty. But Christ said this, I'm the way, the truth, and life. He's fulfillment for us. And He's given us a good word to spread to others. Jesus wants us to, to, to come to someone. He wants our heart to be moved. He wants us to reach out to people around us. Lay aside our, our ambitions to fully follow Christ. To use that purpose for what Christ has created you for. And then look for opportunities that you can become a fisher of men. Remember this, Christ makes us. Christ's light draws others. He simply needs that fisherman to go say, all right, here I am, and I'm available. Father, I pray this morning as we think about your word, and uh, Lord, we would just trust you in, in our decisions. Father, we would just give it a try and see what you've created us to be and see all that we can be in you, Father. Lord, I pray this morning as we just think about your commandment to us that we would be fishers of men, that we would be out spreading your gospel. I pray, Lord, we wouldn't wait for some other time or some other day or some other place, some other opportunity, but, Father, we'd say, I'm ready now, Lord, and we would simply be available to you, shining your light to a darkened world. Father, I pray this morning, if there's any here that's never accepted you as a personal Savior, Lord, we know it's not through our words it's not through songs, but through your Holy Spirit that you draw us into yourself. 
that we might have life and life eternal. Father, I pray now for a time of invitation. I pray that your spirit would move freely, that you would lead us to where we would go. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.